Hi guys, welcome to the Sip and Sort podcast. Today I am drinking chai tea at home and I'm going to share with you a conversation I had with Emily McCafferty from AccidentalHippies.com. I started following Emily several years ago when I stumbled upon her cordwood building journey on Pinterest. She and her husband bought 16 acres of raw land, moved off grid, and built this house with their own two hands. She's going to talk to you about cordwood houses, building off grid, and living a more simple life one step at a time. Stay tuned. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. I am so excited you are here. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Can you start by just kind of telling me who you are and what you do? Okay. Well, I'm Emily McCafferty. I am the blogger behind AccidentalHippies.com. And um, what I do basically is I've documented what we've done going from our crazed suburban life to living a simpler life. Um, We live off the grid in a house that we built by hand. We homeschool. um, I work from home. Um, We raise a lot of our own food. Um, We've kind of fallen into a life of homesteading and simple living. And I show other people how they can do it too. That is so cool. Can you tell me why you picked the name Accidental Hippies, which I love? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it kind of started, it's all my mom's fault. (laughs) So (laughs) she, um, you know, kind of noticed like we were starting to do some what she called hippie-ish things. So we got rid of our gas-powered lawnmower and got one of those real cut lawnmowers. Um, And then you know, we were making our own cleaners and um, switching to a lot of reusable things. And the kicker was one night she called me and she's like, Hey, Em, what are you doing? And I said, Oh, I'm making butter. (laughs) She's like, you're just a couple of accidental hippies over there. (laughs) And I laughed like, well, it's not like I'm Ma Ingalls, you know, I'm doing it inside of a food processor, but the the name kind of stuck. And then years later, she and her coworkers at the time, they were talking and they were like, oh, we want to know about all those hippie things that she's doing. She should start a blog. And my mom told me that. And I said, oh, okay. Um, I'll start a blog. What should I call it? And she's like, well, you're a bunch of accidental hippies. Just call it that. I said, okay. So that's where the name came from. That is great. Now I know all about your cordwood journey and it is Mm -hmm. so neat and I can't wait to get to that point. But um, Mm -hmm. before we talk about that, do you want to tell me a little bit about what your life was like before that journey (laughs) and before these simpler times, these hippie times? (laughs) Oh yeah, it was very normal. Um, We had a lot of debt. We had student loan debt, like a lot of people do. Um, we were living paycheck to paycheck. We had jobs that we, you know, didn't necessarily love, but they paid the bills and we were following the path that everybody says you're supposed to follow. You know, you're supposed to graduate high school and go to college so that you can get a good paying job so that you can buy a house and then have some kids and then get a bigger house because you have kids and stuff and you're just supposed to be in that rat race. And at some point we just decided that wasn't for us. We, we didn't like it. Um, we didn't like how stressed we were. We didn't like worrying about money or the neighbors or, you know, just kind of living that rat race life. So we had always kind of had this will in us. Like we had a bunch of back issues of mother earth news and we were really into that kind of stuff, but we didn't live a life yet that could 
support, you know, kind of homesteading activities, but we were interested in it. And that kind of, you know, planted the seeds in us to follow the steps that we then took to create this life we're living. Very cool. So what prompted you to just kind of take the plunge or where did you begin simplifying? Well, we, you know, we began simplifying with kind of the things that we were finding on Pinterest, which was very new at that point. I think I was still like invite only to join Pinterest and everybody was making that Dawn and vinegar cleaner that was super popular that you make in the microwave. It started there. (laughs) That was like the rabbit hole opened up and I started making my own cleaners and doing that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we have like a little garden, but we didn't really know what we were doing. But the big um, catalyst for everything was when our son was born. And we realized at that point that we wanted to provide him with a life that would, you know, not just be him following in the rat race kind of footsteps, that he could be outside in nature and not have to worry about the neighbors or the cars going by, that we could you know, show him a different way to be. And we knew that if we waited until he was older or until we were older, we would never do it. So we figured out a way to get started while he was, he wasn't even walking yet when we started looking for land to buy and build our house on. That is so cool. Which kind of brings us to the next part of your journey with the cordwood house. Can you start Mm -hmm. by telling my audience what a cordwood house even is? (laughs) Yeah. If you've never seen a cordwood house, it's kind of hard to imagine. So I have to start with explaining what it isn't. If you think of a typical log cabin where the trees are laid, you know, um, long ways and they're all like the same length, you know, a pic- picture a typical log cabin. Ours is kind of done the opposite way where instead of long logs, you have short logs that are all the same length. So that's the width of your wall and you lay them within mortar, um, kind of like you would with bricks but um, it's a little heftier than that. And there's insulation in the middle. So um, it's not drafty and bugs don't get in and it's rot resistant. And um, we fell in love with that style. We found it in Mother Earth News. Um, They were talking about how people have built their own houses mortgage-free with cordwood. And we loved it for the natural style. Um, The look of it is really unique. It kind of looks like stone from far away. Sometimes when people see pictures of our house for the first time, they think it's a stone house and it's not. Um, and we liked that it used natural materials that we could source right on our property, that we could harvest ourselves. And um, that would be a sustainable solution for home building. Very cool. And so that was kind of why you chose cordwood? Yeah, yeah. We looked at a lot of different natural building techniques before we got started. You know, we looked at straw bale construction, which is really pretty, and cob, and we looked at earthship style homes and um, all, all kinds of stuff. And we just kept coming back to cordwood because it fit in well with our um, our climate here. We had the resources readily available. They were all on hand. And um, we, we just thought it looked really interesting and unique. So we, we went for it. Very cool. How is your home different than a typical home? Would you say? <laughs> um, in some ways it's very different. And in other ways, it's really pretty much the same. Um, so the ways that it's different, um, our walls are really thick. They're 16 inches thick and a typical home's walls are, you know, six inches and they're, 
is a lot of thermal mass there. So it takes that heat and it takes the cold and it holds onto it for a really long time. And it's also a little more insulated too. It works with that thermal mass to, um, you know, make a space that is a lot more regulated in terms of its temperature and its humidity. It doesn't fluctuate as wildly as like our stick built home did. We used to live in a little ranch house that was built in the sixties. And so like the insulation was minimal. <laughs> the walls were thin. Um, it took a lot of energy to heat and cool. Before that, we lived in a house that was built in the 1920s that had, I don't think it had any insulation up in the attic, probably didn't have any in the walls. It didn't have air conditioning. So we were just like sweating buckets all summer long. And our corporate house doesn't have air conditioning either, but it's a lot easier to maintain a livable temperature um, all day long versus what we tried to live with in our little 1920s bungalow that we rented. So it's um, a little more regulated on its own naturally. We also oriented our house um, to the south using some passive solar principles. So for folks who haven't heard of passive solar before, you um, use the natural movement of the sun in the sky to regulate the temperature of your house. So we um, in the Northern Hemisphere, we put the front of the house to the south. That's where all the big windows are. And then the sides of the house, like the east and west side, have fewer windows. So you're not getting all that gain in the morning and the evening. And then the back of the house has basically no windows. Um, we have a few just because we wanted to put some back there for light in the bedrooms, but they're small. And in the front, we have huge windows. So we don't use our lights nearly as much because we have a lot of natural lighting. That's very different from the houses that we um, used to live in as well. But yeah, in, in some ways it's the same. Like our layout is not um, a weird home layout. I actually had found our layout on Pinterest and we sent it to a cordwood draftsman and he adapted it to our wall thickness. The inside of the house too has normal walls that we planked with um, tongue and groove pine. So it kind of looks like a cabin that you might rent, you know, somewhere like in Gatlinburg or um, in the mountains somewhere. It looks kind of like that. Absolutely. Um, what is the size of the house? Our house is about 1,200 square feet, um, maybe a little more if you include the loft up there. The footprint of the house is 30 by 34 with a mudroom on the front that is eight by 12. And then there's a loft upstairs over the back half of the house. So the front half of the house has this big cathedral ceiling and it's nice and open. And then um, upstairs in the back half, we have a loft that we use for kind of like an office, playroom, homeschool kind of, kind of location. Okay. That is so cool. And you guys did this entirely yourselves. Yep. Yeah. We, um, decided to go at it as owner builders. We hired out a few things, but um, really just the things that needed either extreme expertise or big equipment that we just wouldn't have the confidence to operate ourselves. But otherwise, yeah, we built the entire thing by hand. We did all of our own framing, all of our own um, masonry work with the cordwood. We did all of our own plumbing, um, our electrical work. Um, yeah, just pretty much everything except for like the big stuff, like the excavation, the septic, um, the spray foam insulation, the roofing, that kind of stuff. 
you guys are my heroes. That is just the coolest <laughs> thing. I love it. Um, what is your favorite part of the house? Hmm, or what like, is the coolest part? I though there's so many cool things. Um, I really like um, in cordwood masonry. You get a chance to use bottle bricks, and um, you can do this with other natural styles too. You see it in earth ships a lot or in um, cob houses. But we put in bottle bricks using bottles that we got for free around the community or from friends and family who were saving them for us. And they're all different colors. Um, sometimes people refer to it as poor man's stained glass. And when the sun comes through those in the morning and in the evening, they just light up and are so pretty. And it's very unique. I mean, most people who come to visit us have never seen a house like that before. So um, that's one thing I love about it. The other things I really love about it are. Um, how open our space is for being as small as it is. My mom actually lives in an apartment that is the same number of square feet as our house is. And our house feels so much bigger. When I told her that it was the same number of square feet when we were looking at her floor plan, um, she couldn't believe it. She thought I was lying. I'm like, here's our floor plan, here's yours. It's the same number, but the way the space feels it feels big and bright, but it's also really inviting. It's um, great party space. <laughs> you know, we like to have family and friends up here and there's a lot of room outside to play. Um, Very yeah. cool. And I, I love those bottles in your wall. They are so <laughs> eye-catching. Yep. People will have to look at those pictures on your blog. Absolutely. What was the hardest part of the process, would you the say? The hardest, ooh, probably working against ourselves <laughs> in some ways because um if you're going to be an owner builder you one have to be very meticulous about your planning and that's something that i'm super passionate about to help other people with is the planning part because if you miss something in that step you end up having to go back and you can get yourself in some big trouble sometimes <laughs> if you don't do enough good planning up front and there were some things that we had missed that you know, could have ruined the build for us. And it's a lot to jeopardize. So just kind of the nervousness around that, I think, and making sure that you plan really, really well. Um, and then, you know, kind of personality clashing. If you're going to build with a partner or spouse, you have to work well together. And my husband and I do work really well together. We've known each other for basically our whole lives. We met when we were five years old. So, um, you know, if, if you're going to go at it as a couple and you don't have that strong of a relationship, it can be really difficult because there were some times that like we had big arguments or that, um, you know, we had to problem solve together and it could have gone very badly if we didn't work well together. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, how long did the process take from start to finish? And I know you guys are still, you know, continuously doing projects, <laughs> but maybe until the point where you were able to move in. So the point that we were able to move in took about two and a half years. So um, when we, we actually sold our old house um, to get the funds to do this, we sold that house in um, like the end of January, 2015 and moved in with my mom and stepdad in their condo. And we bought the land then two months, two or three months later. Um, yeah. In March of 2015. And then it took a while to get, we had to get the excavation done. We had to get the septic um, field started so that we could get that permit. 
And then we had to wait for a while because by the time we ended up getting our building permit, it was October and no concrete company would, you know, come do a job at that point. They said, you're going to have to wait till spring. So we didn't actually break ground on the house until the spring of 2016 which was an abnormally dry spring for us. Um, it's been really rainy here for the past few years, but it let up then uh, just for us. And we broke ground spring 2016, and it took us all the way until December of 2017 to get our final occupancy permit from the inspector. Gotcha. Very cool. So how is your lifestyle different now than it was before? I think it's a lot more laid back. We've taken a lot of different steps from the beginning of that build to now that we may not necessarily have seen coming. I think the process of building the house really reinforced what our values were and what our values weren't. And we went into this process thinking that we were just going to continue on. Like I had my job that was going pretty well at that point. I was a music teacher at a local high school. Um, my husband was doing some freelance work and some music lessons, and that was going pretty well. And we assumed that that would continue to be the case. And it totally flip-flopped. My husband ended up being the one with like a really good, stable job that he enjoys and a place that he likes. And I just couldn't take teaching anymore. Um, between building the house and raising our son and working full-time, it was just too much. So... I ended up coming home to stay with our son, to run the blog, and to eventually homeschool, which I didn't really foresee at the time, um, but, but now that's a huge part of our lives. So, you know, we were doing, you know, the two working parent thing, and now um, I'm here, I'm at home. We have tried to really unbusy ourselves, um, especially as a high school teacher. I saw my students so crazed and anxious all the time because they were in all of the clubs and taking all of the AP classes and doing all of the things and they were stressed and you know I didn't want that for us I didn't want that for my son um, and we knew that coming out here to live on our off-grid property we had a unique opportunity to give our child that life where he could just play and where we could as a family be less busy and less you know, extended to all the things. Yes, I love that. I know that my listeners cannot see me, but I cannot stop grinning during <laughs> this call. I just love everything you're saying. It's so cool. Um, you gave my listeners a lot of advice already about planning, but is there anything else that you would say to anyone either trying to move off grid or just trying to take the first step towards trying to simplify their life? Yeah, I think if you try to do it all at once, like I'm going to declutter the entire house and I'm going to you know, stop going to all these things. And I'm just, if you try to do that, it's going to be overwhelming and you're going to think this is ridiculous. And then you're just not going to do it. Just do one thing. Like it, and it doesn't even matter what that thing is. Don't overthink it. Don't overcomplicate it. Just do a thing. If that's taking your reusable bags to the grocery, awesome. If that's, um, you know, using a reusable mug and just taking it with you everywhere. Like I, that was a habit I had to build. It, even like kind of relatively recently, I didn't have that habit, <laughs> but I started and then one little thing will lead to another thing will lead to another thing. And that's kind of how we got here. You know, we were living in our little house and I got plastic bags at the grocery store and I got packaged everything. And we put out a full can of trash a week for two people. 
like not one of those little cans, like those big rolling cans. We would fill up one every week for two people. And now that I think back on that and we've really tried to simplify what we buy, what we use, and we might, I think this week we made a bag of trash that um, my husband and son actually just went down to the bottom of the driveway to go get because today is trash day. And, and that was it. That was all we made. And some of that was really unnecessary too, but we didn't get there overnight. We just started thinking about little changes, little things. Do I need this? Do I not need this? What can I replace this with? When, when you have a bigger dream, like maybe going off grid or building your own house, it's really tempting to sit there and say, well, that'll never happen. Like that's too big. That, that's never going to happen. That's not going to be me. If you ask yourself then, what could I do to make this happen? Like what would have to be true for this reality to exist? Start there. And then you're actually going to start thinking about solutions. You're not going to um, fall into that self-fulfilling prophecy of, you know, it's never going to happen for you. If you say it's never going to happen for you, then it's definitely not. But, you know, I was skeptical at first, but my husband had this vision because he'd always wanted to live in a cab a cabin he actually wanted to live in alaska um he um we actually found an old assignment he did for school when he was like six <laughs> with his little six-year-old handwriting and he drew a picture of a cabin on a snowy hill and he said when i grow up i want to build a cabin and live in alaska <laughs> and he grew up and he built a cabin and lives in kentucky which is <laughs> you know if you know he got most of it <laughs> But, you know, we compromised to get to that point and I couldn't see it, but he had that idea and he started thinking what would have to be true for us to achieve this dream. And we got on board together and I started to see it and then I started to buy into it. And then I started to, this is how it always works in our relationship. He has the idea for the thing. And then I run with the thing and eventually blog about the thing. Like cloth diapering wasn't my idea. It was his and I ended up loving it. Um, living off grid was his idea and I ended up absolutely loving it. We're getting ready to expand our system this year, hopefully. So we'll have more solar panels and um, more capabilities up here. Um, but, you know, you just start thinking about the possibilities and don't pigeonhole yourself. That's the biggest thing you can do. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to put this in the show notes, but can you tell my listeners where they can find more about you? Absolutely. Um, the best place to go would be my blog, which is accidentalhippies.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Accidental Hippies. Awesome. Thank you again, Emily. You totally made my day. <laughs> Not a problem. Glad to be here. <laughs> Talk soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emily, and I hope to definitely do a part two episode with her in the future. As always, if you're looking for more guidance and support during your own journey to a more simple, less cluttered life, head over to my website at theorderlyness.com and sign up for my Sip and Sort Sunday email challenges. You can also join my Facebook group at the Orderly Nest community, where we currently have a decluttering challenge going on. And if you're enjoying this podcast, it would be really helpful if you could please leave me a rating or review. Talk soon. Cheers. Cheers.